following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are focusing on peace, on the peace that Jesus brought uh, to earth, the peace of the declaration that our young shepherds heard this morning and that Luke and Kathleen read about this morning. I want to just dive into what was this peace on earth goodwill towards men. It's more than just a Christmas card saying that, that we find But I think one of the things that it's important to look at it because we can sometimes feel peace on earth and then we look at everything that's going on and we say, where is this peace? Where is this peace that that was heralded? If peace really broke through darkness and the angels sang of it, where is it? Where... On, a, on the wide scale, this, this message of peace on earth. And we can look at this, this wider lens and, and say, you know, if we're looking over the earth, there's this unrest over here and there's war here and there's riots here and there's brokenness here. Where is this peace on earth? Or if we zoom in a little bit in our own families and in our own relationships, We can sometimes, coming into the holidays is sometimes a reminder of the places where we're not experiencing this peace. We can look at some of the the brokenness in our own relationships, some of the loss maybe that we've had, and we can say, where is this peace on earth? Or maybe we zoom in even deeper internally, and maybe we're wrestling with this anxiousness that that Luke talked about in Philippians. We're wrestling with worry, and and there's a constant just inner lack of peace, and we're saying, Lord, where is this peace that was heralded? What was it that Jesus was talking about? So let's look at that verse in Luke Chapter 2, verse 10 through 14, Luke and Kathleen already read it. But what I want to look at specifically is verse 14. And in most versions, and certainly on our Christmas cards, we read it, uh, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But what's interesting is that in more recent uh, translations with uh, manuscripts, they found some more reliable manuscripts, more manuscripts were discovered. That's kind of what's exciting about all of the archaeological um, endeavors is that sometimes it uncovers something that gives us a deeper depth in what we understand about the Word of God even. And in those manuscripts more recently found, they decided that a better way to translate that is glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. 
Or another way to say it would be, on earth let there be peace among the ones who God is pleased. On earth let there be peace to the favored ones, to the ones that he smiles on, to the ones that he delights in, to them let there be peace. Now, make no mistake, it says earlier on in that chapter, this is good news for all men. But this peace is for those that he is pleased with, that he has favor on. That can feel like not great news if you don't feel particularly favored. <laughs> if you feel like, well, now i got to figure out if I'm one of the favored ones. If you've been following along in our series, I Am Certain, one of the things that we have been pursuing is the certainty of our sonship in, in the Lord, the certainty that we are favored by the Father, that we have an identity in the Father. And so you can answer this morning, yes, I'm one of the favored ones in Christ, I became a son or a daughter that was favored, and peace is part of my inheritance because of that. And so we're celebrating that this morning. It doesn't necessarily change the meaning, but when we look at this other translation that says, peace on the favored ones, we begin to recognize the power of that peace in our own lives, rather than kind of considering it as this kind of nebulous peace that hopefully lands somewhere out there in the earth. There's actually a peace that, that exists for you and for me to come into. So we've established that we're the favor, favored ones. Sometimes we struggle with that aspect of really believing we're favored because we have attached peace to a lack of trouble. We have said, no, People, or we've attached favor to a lack of trouble. This whole idea on how we define favor, especially among believers. <laughs> Do you know that sometimes I define favor as getting that good parking spot? I get this good parking spot and I go, oh, thank you, Lord, for your favor. As I watch an 80-year-old woman struggle in from the far distance. I'm just kidding. Not really. But, but it is funny how we define favor. We've chosen to kind of define favor as everything is perfect in, in my world. And yet this isn't how Jesus defined favor. He said in John 16, 33, these things that I've spoken to you, I'd encourage you to go see what these things are in chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. The end. Okay, good. No, because in the world you will have tribulation or trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. He said, I spoke these things to you so you could have peace in me, because in the world, you're going to have trouble. And so we can't define favor or peace by, by the absence of trouble or trial or tribulation in our life. 
We define peace by the confidence we can have in the midst of that. And so we see this, this kind of weighing of whether or not we're favored based on our circumstances so often. And part of that has to do with what we've been talking about over the past several weeks, this aspect of identity and really having a, a place that says, I know that I'm loved by the Father. I know that I'm favored by the Father, that I have access to the provision of the Father. There's a quote that says, when we don't believe in our blessedness or our favoredness, every bit of trial, testing, or trouble, or even inconvenience confirms our rejectedness. And so sometimes we can take these situations that we're facing in our life and we can say, see, I'm not favored. And Jesus is saying, no, come be in me because you'll have peace there even as you're in the world where you will have trouble. And so we need to look at how are we defining this peace? He's the one that gives us peace. And can we settle it once and for all? You are a favored one. Amen? Okay. So, now we want to talk about what this peace is. So if, if we were unwrapping the gift of peace, one of the first things we do is we'd look at the label, and we've already determined this gift is for you. You're a favored one. Your name's on the tag. So now we're going to unwrap it. We're going to look at what's inside of it. Have we, we're shaking it a little bit. What's interesting about this is when this scripture came, this declaration by the angels, the host, heavenly hosts, peace was a buzzword in every Roman civilization. Kind of like now how we have different buzzwords. Peace was a buzzword. Caesar Augustus had been hailed for something called the Pax Romana or Romana. I don't know. I don't speak Latin. But it was the Roman peace, the great Roman peace. And this was, he was hailed for this peace that Caesar had created peace on earth. This was his, you know, if he was Instagramming, this is, would be his brand, that he goes all over the place and he creates peace. And yet the peace that he created came by violence and came by force. It came by oppression. And yet they built an altar to him, the altar of Augustine peace, as this declaration of we did it, we created peace on earth. And really what they were doing was they were making a desolation and calling it peace. They were ruining things, fracturing things, and calling it peace. Their reign was full of brokenness and oppression, and yet they're building an altar to mark the accomplishment of their peace. But this declaration came in the middle of that and said, no, with this, with this Christ, peace is coming to the earth. We've seen throughout history and other times, British Prime Minister Chamberlain basically said, we have created peace in our time when he brokered an agreement uh, in 1938 
peace for our time. And yet after that, Poland was invaded and there was bombing in London and, and that peace cost tens of thousands of lives to eventually establish. And again, we're, when Jesus comes, he says, I bring a peace, but it's different than that peace. That's one of the surprises that we talked about this morning in how Jesus was constantly surprising people. When I can guarantee that when people heard the message that he's bringing peace, they, they envisioned what it looked like for Caesar, for a, for a um, what did they call them, emperor, to march into a place and overtake and bring peace through force. That's the expectation of what they had, just waiting for this little baby to grow up and watching him and going, I don't know, he looks kind of skinny. It doesn't look like a warrior. But this was a different peace that he was bringing. How is it different? In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus was constantly saying, yeah, I'm not doing it the way that the world has done it. The peace that I'm bringing is a different way of peace. It's a different kind of peace. One of the first differences, the way that he brings peace, is that his peace comes from the inside out. Different than Caesar's peace, different than the, the peace of the allied forces in the 1930s. His peace comes from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And this is the peace that those of us who are favored have resting on us, is a peace that can come from the inside out. Caesar imposed a peace by force. Jesus came and announced the favor of God and then watched as the brokenness of people came together internally, and it changed families. It changed how we relate to one another. It changed systems and structures. There's a whole historical thing that we could look at, at how systems and structures were affected by this inner peace that people began to walk in, this coming together that Jesus created. And yet we tend to still look at affecting peace from the outside in. We still want to see peace come by affecting something from the outside in. And Jesus said, no, that's not the kind of peace that I bring. I bring a peace from the inside out. So the way that he brought peace was different. The kind of peace that he brought was different. Again, we think of peace... Often, maybe you don't, but I do, I think of peace as quietness. You know, all the Christmas cards that say peace on earth, it's like that fresh snow that muffles all the sound. It's a picture of the lamppost and the quiet street. It's the picture of the pine tree. And it's this, oh, peace is this fluffy, quiet thing. And the reality is that peace is not just a quietness or a calm. 
Peace is a wholeness. It's a, it's a coming together. This is what he meant when he said peace. It was in the Old Testament referred to as shalom. You might be familiar with that. And shalom basically was a greeting that meant may everything be well with you. May all things come together for you. May all the, the brokenness come together. In the New Testament, it's something like Irene, which I remember because it sounds like my name. And it's the same meaning. It's, the, it's this, this wholeness, this bringing together of broken pieces that things would flourish because they're coming together and coming alive. It means in the Greek, that word, to join, to tie together into a whole when all essential parts are joined together. Nothing broken, nothing missing. That's the piece. Hmm. Hello, kids. That's the piece that we're talking about. Good thing peace isn't about quiet, right? So Jesus came for that kind of peace. Peace is not the absence of something. We look at peace and we say, oh, peace is the absence of noise, the absence of conflict, the absence of trouble, the absence of, of fighting. But no, it's not the absence of something. It's the presence of something. It's the presence of wholeness. There is an enormous power in peace because it is a tangible force that's released into our inner selves and it's released into a situation or a circumstance. Sometimes we limit this concept of peace on earth or peace coming. We sometimes limit this to, um, to like having peace with God which it is. The Bible talks about peace with God. And to us, that means the absence of guilt. Peace with God. You know, have you ever seen the movie and the old hardened cowboy is ready to die because he's made his peace? I don't know if it has to be a cowboy. Just any, you know, we say we've, we've, I've made my peace. And it's, the concept is I don't have any regrets. I have this this, I, I don't have guilt anymore. And absolutely what Jesus did brought us that. Brought us this reality of not having to, to have the shame and the guilt of sin. But it's so much more than that. This peace with God is not just, I don't have to feel bad for my brokenness. This peace with God is, I have a way now to be whole. There's a big difference between those two things. It's amazing that I don't have to feel the shame and the guilt of my own brokenness when I walk in that. But what's more amazing is I have a way of wholeness now. I get to step into all of that brokenness coming into alignment. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. In James 4.1... James, I don't know. James is that one guy. 
he's kind of hardcore. But I love, I love his directness. In James, he says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war within your members? Basically, he's saying all of the brokenness out there comes from brokenness on the inside of people. All of the lack of peace out there comes from a lack of peace on the inside of people where things have not yet been made whole. And so this, again, speaks to that reality of peace that works from the inside out. How many times do we inflict brokenness on others because of the brokenness that's inside us? Less and less, hopefully, as we grow in our ability to walk in this peace. How many times do we attack or hurt someone else because something isn't whole on the inside of us? How many times do we get offended when somebody corrects or, or maybe is even critical or whatever, but we get offended and we react because of something that's broken on the inside of us? And this verse, this proclamation of peace is saying, I've come to bring a wholeness to that, to that brokenness, so that wars and strife and all of that comes from people being healed, comes, that ends when people get healed of the brokenness in themselves. Brokenness on the earth is actually brokenness inside of people. So peace on the earth comes through the peace of people made whole. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's what, what we're participating in as we step into uh, this, this season. The reality is there are no external structures and systems that can bring peace. I think we've kind of proven that. There are no external systems and structures that, that can make that wholeness happen. It can only, those system and structures can only reflect the wholeness that's happening within a family, within a community, within a nation. So the peace that Jesus brought was different because of the way it comes and because of the kind of peace that we're talking about. Peace. Peace to that mama. So what does it look like for us to walk in that? We know that Jesus modeled this really, really well. Jesus was the prince of peace who inherited from his father, who must be what? The king of peace. It doesn't say that in the Bible. I just want to clear that up. But he is the source of peace. That, that he walked in this peace. He modeled it for us. And what we tend to do is we tend to go, that's right. Jesus modeled what peace looks like, so I need to behave on the outside like Jesus behaved. Right? How's that working for you? Because I go, okay, how, what would Jesus do? Okay, he would not yell right now. And so you try to put on, on the outside, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit my behavior to the behavior that Jesus would have. Eventually it gets real. And whatever's going on on the inside comes out. 
And so it isn't about that. Jesus didn't model peace because he had the behaviors down. He modeled peace because he had it on the inside. He was whole. And so he could walk through. You want to talk about the favor of God and judging the favor of God? What about the life of Jesus looked favored? You know, like what he walked through. But he modeled peace because he was favored and he had peace from the inside out. One of the the easiest, lowest hanging fruits on this concept in scripture is the story of them in the boat. Jesus and the disciples in the boat. There's a few stories like that. In this case, it was the one where the storm blows up and Jesus is sleeping through the storm. I'm pretty sure this isn't like the kind of boat that you're, you don't feel the storm. I don't think that was the kind of boat it was. So Jesus is sleeping through the storm, and that's what peace looks like, is no matter what's going on around me, I have peace. So then the disciples, of course, they interpret his peace as indifference to them. Because here's what they say. They wake him up. Don't you care that we are perishing? Sometimes people want you to be in crisis with them. And your peace feels like a lack of care or indifference. Have you ever had that happen? You're not acting like me about this thing. You must not care. That's been like the story of our whole last, we used to say two years, now we say three years. Through all of the things going on, and we have people who are getting out of peace, and they go, no, that just shows how much I care about this issue. No, you're out of peace. And my peace isn't indifference. My peace doesn't mean I don't care. It just means what's going on around me doesn't affect what's going on inside me. I'm not perfect in that. None of us are. We all have our things. Yeah, I can, I've, I've got peace through this. I can have peace through this. I can have peace. Oh, not that. We all have our things that, that cause us to struggle with peace. But... This is how Jesus modeled it. He knew that the outside circumstance didn't change his security. The outside circumstance didn't change his mission. The outside circumstance didn't change the fact that they're going to land on the other side because he has an appointment to speak over there. This is the kind of peace that we can rest in. That's what peace looks like, and it comes from the inside out. What I love, here's the deal. In that story, he, they woke him up. Don't you care about us? And then he did calm the storm. I really don't think he thought it was necessary. I don't think he would have done it unless they were having trouble finding peace. Because he was sleeping through the storm. I don't think he thought it was a problem. But he did calm the storm for them. And this is one of the things we see in that. We need to recognize 
that there is not an authority in our ability to get worked up and upset about something. There is an authority in our ability to sleep through the storm. There's, a, there's an authority we have. We've talked about how <clears throat> our sonship and our, our knowing that we're sons and daughters, when we're certain of that, it produces identity, it produces inheritance, and it produces influence slash authority. It produces authority. When we can stay in that place of peace, when we, we know who we are, and we know who's taking care of us, and so then I have the inheritance of peace, that peace, then what do I do with that? I can use that peace as an authority in that situation. I have authority over any storm I can sleep through. And we need to be okay with that rather than feeling like peace is indifference or you don't care enough. Amen? So peace is not passive. It's power. How do we keep that peace? Do you have something? Okay. How do we keep that peace? Is there a formula for that? How many days of fasting does it require? How many scriptures a day am I supposed to read? No, it's, it's the verse that Luke read. We tend to read, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a peace that sets a guard over my heart and my mind, but there's a way to that, and one of that is I'm choosing to come into that peace. I'm choosing to come into that peace to be anxious for nothing and to ask my Father. It says before that, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God will guard your hearts. After this verse, it goes into whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever, if, whatever is of good report. Another way that we can stay in the place of peace is we stay focused on what is true, what is pure, what is of good report. Don't you care that we're perishing? This is what's true. This is what's pure. This is of what's good report. That's how we can stay guarded by peace. That's how we cannot lose it when everybody else is. And that's how we can have authority into that from the inside out. You are favored ones on whom his peace rests. And you get to walk in the identity of that. You get to walk in the inheritance of that. And you get to spend it as authority into the circumstances and situations that you're in. Do you want to add something before I close? Uh, this is a really appropriate testimony for what she was reading. Uh, I was a commercial fisherman in Alaska for years, and uh, we had one year, I think it was 82, is when Kathleen and I first went up there, and 
out of Samuel. He was a baby. And in coming back from one of our trips, we were loaded 66,000 pounds of halibut on a 58-foot boat, and we were bucking against a 60-foot blow out of the northeast. We were about 50 miles offshore, and we were taking swells that were about two feet higher than this, if you can imagine that. And when you're loaded like that, you ride really low in the water, and the scuppers weren't that big. So if the boat went sideways of a swell, you'd take, you'd take the swell overboard and you'd roll. I mean, it was that simple. So it was desperate to keep the boat going straight. So I'd been a believer for about uh, seven years, I think. And so this scripture out of uh, Psalm 107, those who go down to the sea in ships, I thought that's what we were doing. You know, and they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses and calms the storm so that the waves are still. I mean, she just talked about that other scripture, you know, and the disciples did that, you know, and Jesus just calmed the storm. And I was really scared. And I really went below, and I really cried out to the Lord. And he gave me peace from the inside out. We, we bucked that for two days and went about two miles. And finally, it came down enough so that we could make progress to go in. But the whole time, it was a terror of, are we going to go sideways at this well or that? And I had no terror at all. I had, I had perfect peace, and it came from the inside out. You know, it's like she's talking about, it doesn't necessarily mean anything about your circumstances, but there's something that happens in here. I love having interesting people who've done interesting things in our congregation. Isn't that fun, the different testimonies? Well, I want us, just as we close, I want us to respond to the peace on earth declaration. Peace on whom his favor rests. The uh, the shepherds responded. They left where they were, and they went and found the one of peace. And I feel like our response this morning really is to say, I let go of what I've been trying to do to bring wholeness, whether it's out there <laughs> in some any one of the situations that's going on in the world, whether it's in a family situation or a friendship, whether it's in in an area of your health, whether it's an area of, of inner struggle with anxiety or worry, we want to respond to this declaration this morning that says there is now peace, a powerful force of peace for those that are favored by God, and that would be you. We want to respond to that this morning. We want to lay down all of the things that we've done to try to put ourselves back together, to fix it, the self-effort, and we want to say yes to this peace. Can we stand and we'll just pray along those lines.
we rejoice this morning at the song of the angels that proclaim that this is good news to all men, that peace would come to those who are favored by God. And we say yes to that. We lay down. I just want you to even ask the Holy Spirit. You probably already have a situation in mind. But ask the Holy Spirit, what, what circumstance, what situation, what trial, what sin issue, what brokenness, what broken relationship, what do you want me to sleep through <laughs> right now? To make a choice. To let you bring the brokenness together. What do I need to, what self-effort do I need to walk away from and just come and kneel by the promise of peace? Do you know <laughs> that baby in a manger was nothing but a promise? The shepherds must have got there and gone, is that really it? But that peace has come. He's, he's done the work for that peace to come. And so let's choose together to yield to that, to bow to that, to offer these search, the situations and circumstances to him and say, let your peace come from the inside out. I choose peace. We choose your peace this morning, God. We thank you that it's a gift with our name on it. We ask that each one would experience the fullness of that peace in their situation. Not as the absence of something, but as the presence of a confidence in the midst of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.